You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jesper. And I am Autumn. This is episode 87 of the Am Writing Fantasy podcast, and we are looking at some of the common tropes in fantasy today, and we'll have a discussion as to whether they are good or bad. And I mm-hmm. think this could uh, turn out quite interesting. In <laughs> it will. It'll be, uh, yeah, I could see some questions and some fun things that we've got to discuss to clarify what we're even talking about. <laughs> yes. Well, tropes is always interesting. So, But we'll come back to that in, in a few minutes. Yes. How are things over in your lovely little country? Uh, well, I'm basically like slowly boiling in my office (laughs) (laughs) it is so warm it's insane Uh, you were complaining just like an episode ago i think that you had not had summer at all in denmark this year yeah 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 and i i just told my wife uh, and i can't remember if i said this on the past episode as well but i told her you know i bet you once our summer holiday is over the weather will turn really warm and nice (laughs) <laughs> and voila, there you go. Now we have a uh, 30 degrees Celsius, actually 33 Ooh, yesterday. That's warm. So uh, we spent the day at the beach yesterday. Oh, that was quite nice, though. That would be lovely. And what are the beaches? I mean, do you have sand beaches? Are they pebble beaches? What are they like over there? They're sand beach. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's just the same that it isn't vacation time anymore. You know, <laughs> you don't sneak away on the weekend. At least you don't have major COVID restrictions. You got to go to the beach. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not <laughs> too bad here. Over here, I was just emailing um, earlier today with with a reader on the email as well, and you know, trying to show my sympathy for you guys in the US. <laughs> it's it's really bad, but and especially compared to how it is here, you know. We are in a very much, much, much better place than you guys. Ah, yes. I think um, only New Zealand is doing better than even you. <laughs> They're yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's quite dire over here still and <laughs> only yeah. getting worse. But uh, this fall will be fun. Yeah, we'll see. Well, we try to stay away from politics here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we will. So quickly shifting topics here before we're getting into politics. Uh, oh, yeah. Things are also finally moving forward with our house sale. That has <gasps> been like an ongoing, ongoing, ongoing <laughs> topic for a long, 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 long time now. But uh, things are finally moving forward. That's so exciting. Um, yeah, so... It's not final yet in that sense, but uh, it's getting there now. So we have somebody who put in an offer uh, and we have also agreed on the price. Oh my goodness. Uh, And we have also agreed on when they're going to take over the house. Wow. So The clock's sort of ticking. Sort of, yeah. The only condition in the whole deal here is that they need to sell their apartment first. Uh Uh, And if they can't sell the apartment, then, of course, the whole thing is just going to take a long, long time. But it is an apartment in a very, like, Pretty expensive, though, but very popular area of Copenhagen that they live in today. Uh, and they said to the real estate agent this morning, um, 
that there was two people who came and watched the apartment over the weekend and both oh. of them said that they wanted to buy. Oh, that might be really good. Yeah. So that is really good. I mean, it, it could be that if all goes well, I would say before we get to the end of August, like in a couple of weeks from now, then we could have sold the house and be planning to move. Oh my goodness, that would be fantastic and exciting. And I think that's going to put you behind on the timeline we have mapped out. But that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> that out, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It depends also because the thing is that we would like to build a new house. Um, and there is no lots at this point in time in the city where we want to move to that has any lots for sale. So that means that we have to find something to rent temporarily for a while so we can stay there. Uh, and that's sort of the joker in the whole thing right now yeah. that we don't know. Is it going to be easy to find something to rent or not? Um, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. That's the part we don't know at this point in time. Okay gonna be living like me like a gypsy <laughs> with things still in boxes just be really <laughs> yeah. really be really good at labeling what's inside your boxes that's about all i can say <laughs> yeah the most important thing is that i have my laptop Absolutely. and uh, of course the internet router then uh, <laughs> <laughs> most things will work then and that is the the catch up being a writer as long as you have those things it's nice not a huge amount of equipment you'll need your microphone and a few other things but you'll be all yeah, right. microphone as well yes yeah. that's right <laughs> excellent but how's you been oh it's been you know pretty good i guess if you hear any traffic noise i apologize i snuck off at literally the last minute yesterday my husband was doing a trip up to his parents who live in maine where we live for 18 years and so Last, it's sort of like what you said. It's summer. The last trip he's going to do for the summer in uh, Maine and the coast and lobsters and the ocean and <laughs> sailboats. These are some of like you know my list of my favorite things. So I literally he was sitting in the car and I'm like, but can you wait an hour? <laughs> and <laughs> threw some stuff in a bag, my laptop and my microphone, obviously, as well, and ran off up to Maine with him. And so you know, we had some lobster last night on the beach, on the wharf, right at a lobster pound. That's nice. Yeah, right off the boat. And uh, we're going to go to our favorite pizzeria, I think, tonight, which is different. And so, yes, it sounds strange because COVID is horrible in the United States and so many states are locked down. But we right. came up from Vermont, which is about the only state in the entire United States that's still green. So we're wow. Our state is doing fine, and Maine is pretty much it's one of the least populated states as well. So uh, it's doing okay as well. But we'll definitely be cautious because I don't want to get sick because I'm writing the last chapter of my current um, work in progress, which is the first book of a new. Fay post-apocalyptic kind of urban fantasy trilogy. So I'm so excited. It's been over a year since I was finishing writing something because things have just been so crazy busy with everything we got going on in life. So it just, it always feels momentous to stand there and being looking, looking down the word count of like 2,300 words <laughs> and I'm done with over 90,000 words of writing. And even though I'm not publishing until I finish the next two, I just feel kind of that warm hummings feeling and it feels good. Very good. Yeah. And you're also working on the uh, world building course, so you don't have any time to be sick. I do not. Between that and some, some commissions on my other side of my writing 
you know, coaching life, writing coach and graphic design life. I'm so busy this month. It's not even funny. I'm going to hire my husband, I think, to help. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a solution. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> a week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Okay, a few things to cover here, but I wanted first and foremost to give a huge shout out to Iris because she increased her pledge on Patreon. Thank you so much. I mean, you've been with us for a little while now, but uh, you know that you believe in us enough and that you appreciate us enough and we appreciate you that you actually upped your pledge. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. That really means a lot to us. And... uh I should say as well, if you, dear listener, haven't checked out Am Writing Fantasy and all the awesome rewards that we offer to our supporters over on Patreon, now is the time to do so. The link is in the show notes, but I can even say that within the next few months, we are actually planning to give all Patreon subscribers a great gift. But I'll leave it that cryptic for now and keep it as a surprise what this gift is all about. But you might want to go and check it out now. (laughs) Yes, we have it figured out and planned, but we're just doing one chunk at a time and we have other plans for August, but it'll be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could also mention that uh, in a few weeks from now, we are going to record a podcast episode about how it has been like to launch our three nonfiction books. So the books on how to get story ideas, our plotting guide, and the associated workbook. And we released those wide here in 2020. So we're going to record a podcast episode about how that went. But I can say that they all became bestsellers upon release. Mm. And uh, people are have been emailing us quite a lot uh, saying how much they got out of those books isn't that right they have been i just i love the comments and it's a goal of mine to try to find time this week to uh make some share images of of some of the comments because they just are so wonderful absolutely yeah so if you haven't picked up any of those books yet we've included links in the show notes for those as well and uh, hey, there's also a link inside the plotting book from where you can get <laughs> the book on story ideas for free. So that's going to be our little secret. Here. I was going to say, Shh, that's a secret. You just shared it with the world. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. And I do. I thought it was funny. I don't know if you saw the comment. I know you. Re- we recently left launched the podcast episode where you interviewed Mira Lafferty, who has written for Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the comment in the M Writing Fantasy Facebook group, but Andre said, wow, score one for M Writing Fantasy. Respect. <laughs> so <laughs> I know you did that interview, so I wanted to make sure you saw that one. It was just such a fun comment. And yeah, you know, I thought Joanna Penn, when we had, you had Joanna Penn on the Am Writing Fantasy podcast, that was big, but apparently uh, Mer Lafferty got a higher rating from Andre on, on yeah. that one. So that's fantastic. But it, writing for, for Star Wars, that is pretty cool. Anyway, oh my so, goodness. Uh, I know. That just gives me And the she's chills. like a multi-award winning author as well. Oh, so yes, that's pretty yes. cool. The Hugo, the Nobella. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, finally, I also wanted to say that our online writing course, The Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide, will next week open for the first time in six months. So that'll be on the 31st of August. 
Yes. And uh, I don't know, but perhaps you can say a few words about the course order. Oh, I still just, every time I think of it, I just remember why I created it. And that was I wanted this <laughs> one-stop shop that really, I mean, at the time, there was no information out there. Now there's so much information out there, you don't know which is true anymore. So this is the one stop where you can just buy this one course and you can learn how to write, get through all the plotting, the character building, the world building, all these details that you can so easily get hung up on as well as learn how to actually publish and format and covers and oh how to edit i still remember the first time i edited and getting advice on like how you tackle content and it's very proofreading and the order of things so all of that is in the course and it is our one thing it even ends with how to build an author career so i'm kind of proud of it it was our first course and of course we always bite off more than we can chew to start <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best way to learn, isn't it? And so that was I guess the, so. the best way to teach. <laughs> yeah. And again, also here, I've uh, we've included a link in the show notes so you can go and check it out. But I should mention, though, that the course will not stay open for very long. No. So come early September, we're going to close it again for another six months. So if you want in, now is the time to do so. Uh, as soon as you listen to this episode, Go and uh, check it out. Uh, at least early September will be the latest point for you, you that you need to check it out. Yes. Uh, but we have reduced the price, though, of the course by $100. That is a big uh, announcement. I mean, with everything going on in the world, and we just felt we needed to do something. So this is an amazing opportunity. We I don't know if many big-ticket courses that are doing a reduction like we just did. Yeah, I don't know, but but yeah, as you said, with COVID nineteen and a lot of people are finding themselves struggling with finances at the moment, right? So, at least that might be a bit helpful to knock off a hundred dollars. So yeah, we'll see. But uh, anyway, click that link in the show notes, and there will be all the details on that page about what exactly what the course includes, and there is money back guarantees uh, for thirty days, no questions asked, and all that good stuff. Anyway, <laughs> so. You can uh, safely check it out. Anything else, Autumn? No, I think that really, those are some big announcements. So I want to get into tropes. And on to today's topic. Okay, so maybe I could just start by mentioning what are tropes. I was going to say that we need to define what a trope are and compare it to maybe what a stereotype, you know, what are the other things that people could fuse a trope with? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I have basically made a note for myself in trying to define it saying like it's a repeated familiar symbols, themes, characters, and so on, you know. So it's basically what we expect to find when we read a fantasy novel, or it could also be if we're watching a fantasy movie. Uh, there's no real difference there, but it's basically kind of the the things that we expect from the genre. Would that be a fair way of defining it? I think so. It's it's definitely it's what you expect almost. It's not the genre. Sometimes it's even the type of story. Like, oh, I always, the easiest one to think of is the farm boy who becomes king. So that is a trope. Yeah. But I. Yeah. Go ahead. Go on. Yeah. Well, well, I was just about to say before we get way into these tropes, I, I think I wanted to mention as well that. If we ask 100 people what are the most common fantasy tropes, Mm -hmm. we would probably get a lot of different answers. So this is just my way of saying that what we are about to say is it's just our view on things, right? It doesn't mean that that this is the only truth out there and uh, 
we fully understand as much, you know. But the French word for genre actually means kind of. Oh, so that's very good. I, I think that gives us a bit of leeway there. Yeah, I think so too. And so I, what I was going to mention is that a lot of people confuse a trope with like a stereotype. Like it is something that they has been seen over and over. And I think the biggest thing with stereotypes is it's a, it's a cliche. It is something that is kind of pat in its quick to explain like the mother-in-law who's a wicked witch or something that's that's a stereotype but something when you're describing a whole trope which becomes it's a whole story boiled down into a sentence or two and so they're not exactly the same things there's a lot more tied up into a trope and a lot more expectations where a stereotype is is kind of a little bit boring and seen uh, too much oh, we could discuss if we think tropes have been seen too much or if there's any tropes that have been overdone yeah well i think actually if we you know if we have a conversation here about the common tropes at least as we see them but maybe we could also point out which one we both hate the most but also mm-hmm. when, which one we like the most would okay. that make sense that sounds good I'll have to think about actually which one I like the most. I'll have to probably think which ones have I used because that's because probably hate the, the one. most is easy. <laughs> it is. I can, I, it came to me instantly. I have a pet peeve trope. Isn't that sad? No, I, I it was the same for me. Uh-oh. You know, I was thinking at it earlier today, and I was like, oh, it would be fun if we if we picked out like the one we hate and the one we love. <laughs> and I was like, well, hate that's easy. <laughs> it took me like half a second to figure yes. out what that was. <laughs> yes, you, you warned me you were going to ask that, and it took me about yeah, half a second to be like, oh <laughs> yeah, if I ever read another story like this, I I will burn it. So <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah. All right. So which is let's go yours then since we started with the ones least liked what is your worst trope that you hate reading about oh uh, you want to start there oh okay. if you don't if you want to end there we can do either way but this will be fun to hear yeah, it will be fun i was thinking maybe we could just sort of start out by covering some of the different tropes that we see and okay. then we could once we've done that then we could maybe we should start with the one we hate the most and then do the one we like the most because then we're we're ending on a positive rather than that a negative. Sounds good. And that'll give me some more time to think about which is my favorite because I'll have heard them all at that point. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I made an I was thinking about this a bit like high level kind mm-hmm. of, you know, high level tropes, but uh, and I'm sure you have some good pointers that you can sort of fling in here as well <laughs> into the mix. Um but of course, one of the most common tropes I would say in fantasy is basically that fantasy stories has magic in it. Oh yes, that's true, and that is that is probably almost the basis of fantasy. I would say, yeah, isn't it? I mean, can you come up or can you think of any like stories that you would define as fantasy but has no magic in it at all? I mean, some of them don't have a lot of magic, but can you think of some that doesn't have any at all? No, I mean, I know when I first read Game of Thrones, until those dragons... That has magic in it as well. It does. I was going to say, until those dragons were born, it was lacking a lot of magic. I like a little bit more magic than that. But it eventually peaked in there. So there's some... And there's magical realism, which is, you know, very much minimal magic at times. But it's still there. I think... I can't, I can't think of anything I would cl- classify as fantasy. 
that doesn't have at least some magical creature or magic magic. I can't think of any. No. Do you know, I just thought of this because we talked about Merlefity mm-hmm. before, right? Yes. But have you heard the whole debate about what genre Star Wars is? Yes, I, I have a hard time. I mean, to me, it's science fiction, but it's kind of science fiction fantasy. Yeah, it's just, I know I'm gonna probably going to piss off a lot of people. <laughs> because people have, especially when it comes to Star Wars, people have very, very, they're very, very opinionated Passion, about very Star Wars. They're very passionate, passionate. Okay, passionate. Oh, shit, that was the wrong word I used. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because I can sort of follow the logic when people say in Star Wars that, the force power mm-hmm. is m- magic because yeah. it, and then at some point they threw in those what is like mikalorian what how do you pronounce that stuff uh, those... don't ask me i'm horrible with english words well, I, I can't remember <laughs> what how whatever it was called but those things that you have in your body that you can measure right. and then the more of it you have the more force power you have and stuff like that and of course anakin skywalker was off the scale and right. whatnot but I think that was sort of like, at least to me, it felt like an afterthought that they plucked in later on in there. I don't know if it was always the intention, but I also know a lot of people complaining that they felt like the force got too explained at that point, mm-hmm. whereas magic is often not that explained. Um, That's true. But at least in my view, you know, I'm yet to read a fantasy book where a starship all of a sudden flies by. So <laughs> I would still say Star Wars is sci-fi, but, uh, uh, but I okay. I, I think it's that genre mashup of sci-fi fantasy or science fantasy. And that is a genre of itself. And that's kind of a fun one. I mean, I think Doctor Who fits into science fantasy because I always right. complain that the stupid screwdriver, what he just, he has this, Thing that it's supposed to just do one thing and he uses it like a magic wand and can fix anything with it and I just get pissed off whenever it happens because I want rules with it and it just doesn't exist. No. And in, in the actually in the coming weeks here, I'm gonna interview Chris Fox for our podcast here. So I he's know. gonna come on in the coming weeks. But and I know Chris is actually writing Dragons in Space. Oh, that's so cool. That's pretty cool as well. I think that might be breaking a lot of tropes. So good for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so was there more we wanted to say about magic? No, I think that is definitely, I think, the foundational fantasy trope. I would say after that one is a, like, the fantasy creatures, almost a fan, it would say a fantasy world, but sometimes, I mean, urban fantasy is becoming very popular. And that usually takes place on Earth or something that's very much like a parallel Earth, but is still got the fantasy creatures of the werewolves and the vampires. And so that's, I can't imagine a fantasy story that has no magic or none of those fantastical creatures at all, because I don't think that would be fantasy at that point. No, I agree. And of course, this does not have to be your elves and orcs and whatnot. I mean, sometimes it could also be like unique species the author actually created themselves. So it can be a lot of things. But yeah, fantasy needs to have some fantastical species. Do I need to say dragons? No, Um, I think they kind (laughs) of get the implication of that. You already said dragons in space, so that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But at least... Some sort of fantastical species are usually part of the mix. Yes. Um, And I would also say, 
you said a bit about the setting there because I, I really feel like at least most of the time the setting is a secondary world. Of course, in urban fantasy, like you, you said, you know, could be our world, but a, a lot of the time it will still be like there is this sort of shadow world within the world that people don't know that there is werewolves. Maybe, you know, the general public doesn't know, or maybe it's like a hidden fantasy world within the existing world or something like that. Because otherwise I think if you don't have it like that, and I know I'm generalizing a lot and and I'm sure listeners are screaming at their headphones (laughs) right now saying with a ton of examples of the opposite, but but um, my point is just that you quickly transcend over into something sort of hu- superhero kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If it's all everybody knows about it, everybody knows about fantastical heroes and creatures and that that, that kind of thing, or what? D- don't you feel like then it becomes very Marvel kind of way very quickly? Yes, I think it does. I think that does move more towards the superhero, which I would still say under, if you made fantasy a massive umbrella, I would actually put superhero under there. But, you know, way to the uh, edge. Yeah. It has that, it has magic and I don't know, I was... Please that- don't put it on as fantasy. I don't <laughs> like superhero things, so please don't put it oh. into the fantasy genre. I want to keep it out. <laughs> oh, but I read X-Men and stuff when I was a teenager. And the Sand- I mean, Sandman comics, that was still, it wasn't really superhero, but it was written very much superhero-like. And it's Neil Gaiman. He's fantasy. Sorry. No, well, I, I, I guess to be fair, I mean, the original superhero stuff, I, I think is probably absolutely fine. But it's just like within the last probably five to 10 years, I feel like the big Hollywood studios, Marvel and whatnot, they, they've destroyed the superhero genre by just retelling the same stories 200 times in a <sighs> row. And I don't know, it's just destroyed it for me. I have no pleasure in those movies anymore. No, it's just every time a new one comes out, it's the same one as the last one. I, I agree with that on so many levels because it does seem like every... like They wanted to do a new Princess Bride and there was such a huge outcry of don't ruin perfection (laughs) (laughs) that I think they kind of decided not to do that because they would have pissed up too many people in our age bracket. But maybe, (laughs) maybe we would probably torch the theater, but yeah, let's move on. There's so many amazing writers, indie writers who are coming up with these amazing stories. Do something new. But that was exactly what I I was just saying, uh, thinking that just as you said it, because (laughs) I, I must assume that those writers in that, those writing rooms are very, very talented. So I just like, it, maybe it's because the studio sort of put them constraints on them and say, well, we want something like this and that because we know we can earn a hundred million in the box office about, you know, maybe it's something like that. But I just cannot imagine that the writers in those rooms cannot come up with something new and exciting. Like Mer Lafferty talked about when she wrote for Star Wars, right? She, she also right. said that she was under very, very strict constraints about what she could say and what she couldn't. But still, she worked really hard as a writer to try to find ways in which she could talk about the character and the background, you know, all the smaller things that she could inject to make the story more original instead of it's just the same old, same old, right? right? Exactly, yes. I don't know. I I I just don't understand. (laughs) But again, I think those... um... I I totally agree. I actually prefer not to watch Hollywood, and I love that that so many shows like Netflix and stuff are actually filming in Canada and Vancouver. And I think it's just to get a little bit of fresh air, bring it in, right. 
but yes, so there's so many things, but those things do, whether you're looking at the superhero, it's a trope, but the underlying structure, there are tropes there. And what is, it's fine to have the trope, but it's what you lay on top of it that makes it different and unique and fresh and new. Unless you're using the exact same story and characters over and over and over again until the grooves are so deep that people are like, Really? Again? Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We need something fresh and exciting and new. And I do think indie authors have that so well. And there are other authors. There's some great shows out there that are really fantastic. We just finished up watching... um, Oh, shoot. I'm trying to remember what it is. Warrior Nuns. That was fantastic. Was it? Yes. The ending totally changed the entire perspective of the entire season up until that point. And you're like, damn, that's awesome. It was wow, just... Wow, okay. So It came up on my feed as well, Warrior Nuns. And then I heard some... Uh, I, I listened to these... Um, a couple of podcasts where they basically review new series and they talk <laughs> about it and stuff like that. And they were just dissing that series so hard. It's like, this is the worst thing, you know kind of teeny, <laughs> kind of, and I was like, okay, after I listened to them, I was just, okay, I'm, I'm not going to watch it. it. It just felt or sounded way too horrible. <laughs> it, but now you're saying the opposite, so now I'm conflicted. Yeah. Well, again, I think I'm looking at it from a storytelling. There were times there was narration from the main character that I got thought you could really do without. There was some times it took her to build up to, building up into the actual true threads of the story when they started coming together was a little slow, but I'm very patient. And when it got to that point where the, where the things came together and then the last episode really flipped your entire perspective of what was going on. I was like, damn, that, that is good writing. That is such good writing. I appreciate anyone who can, who can take a story and flip it on its head and change your whole perspective. But believe me, up until that point, I'm thinking we're talking about the Catholic faith faith and their warrior nuns. They can't even become priests and you're giving them swords. This doesn't add up in my head, but they had some non-believers who are main characters and that, that makes it tolerable. Okay, well, they, I think there was also a bit in the setting there that I didn't like. But okay, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> yes, <though. laughs> they, they don't care about our movie, our, our show. We'll have to do a sh- recommended show episode later. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we should. All right, so what's the next trope we want to think is pretty general? We're still not doing our worst favorite because we still, still haven't gotten to the one that I cannot stand yet. No, well, maybe if you have more, you can inject it because the two I have left is the one I hate and the one I like. All right. So if you have some more you want to inject, then maybe you can do that first. All right. Well, I'm going to skip the one that is my least favorite. So I know one of the ones that is very often used. It's not been used as much recently, but it's like the secret heir. So it's the person who was born noble and doesn't know it. Okay, this is almost like Sleeping Beauty, I guess. I mean, she's the princess. She's sent off to, you know, grow up in the forest so that no one will come and, you know, the curse will not happen. So that actually is a trope that's been used. A lot of these fairy tale types of stories have these tropes. So the old, some of the oldest stories we have, and they've been passed down for generations. And so they're still being used today. I mean, you think about it, Romeo and Juliet, the star-crossed lovers, that's a trope too. Usually mm. in romance, but I've seen it as a pretty strong um, sub-genre, subplot to some fantasy ones as well. Right. 
and you did mention uh, Star Wars. So the evil empire, the evil overlord. Um, believe it or not, that is not my worst groaner, but that is definitely one that I've gotten tired of seeing where you start off a story and it's you just have evil and they're evil. And I mean, unless you're writing about Lucifer or the devil or I don't know, pick another cosmology that has, you know, a bad, a good and a bad side. And they're just mm-hmm. evil from the side of evil. That is another one that's unless you're adding some gray tones and some explanation why they're evil. I definitely think that one's kind of been overdone. It's interesting because some of the stuff you're saying, I'm going to come back to. <laughs> All right, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, some of the other ones I've seen, you, you made me have to open up like my book of my, my filing cabinet. We were joking on Patreon, Irish and I, and that I my my organizational system in my brain is actually a massive filing cabinet. Huge bureaucracy, <laughs> immensely boring, but so well organized. So <laughs> we need to fill in forms to get access to certain areas. Sometimes, yes, definitely. <laughs> in, in 10 different copies? Uh, some of them are in blood. you got to watch out for those. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but the uh, the reluctant hero. And again, I think it's another one where you... Um, it's not as rare. I mean, normally we have people... Most of the heroes I think written about today are more go-getters. They're very few who are going, but I don't want to have to go fight the dragon. But that is definitely it- something that's there. Yeah, I agree, but but don't. I would almost argue that that can that can be in almost any genre. It you know, really in is. in thrillers or whatever, you can also have the reluctant hero who doesn't really want to take on the <laughs> task ahead of them. I, I am not sure that's a fantasy trope as such. Yeah, it's just a storytelling trope, I guess. Yes, but it's one that definitely crosses into it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure. I guess. I don't know if you'd call it a fantasy trope, but like the mentor trope where you always have the kid who gets helped by the mentor. Um, or even you could have the one where it's like a young boy basically redeems the older hero who has done something in his past. And so that's another one that if it's done well, can be amazingly powerful and redemptive. <clears throat> but if it's not done well, you kind of feel like I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. But I guess you could say that with everything. You have to layer on characters that are very three-dimensional. You have to layer in a world that feels real, and it's all got to become together to be its own driver. And without that, it, any of these can really feel like they just have been seen and done before. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. All right, I think that's all the ones I can come to mind. I'm sure I'll probably think of more. Oh, I know. The powerful article, like the the quest for the magic sword, Excalibur. I, oh, I don't Excalibur. do Arthurian tales anymore. I love them as a teenager, but I if I read one more thing about the Lady of the Lake and Excalibur, I'm just going to just... I can't do it. <laughs> that was another one that came up on my uh, Netflix feed here recently. It was... I can't now the cursed I think it was called that series. Oh, it was also okay. a new one. Yeah. But that was also some sort of... Uh, king arthur kind of thing uh whatever but it, i was just like oh my god no thank you <laughs> i had enough of those stories yes i, I w- it would take me a while to go back to them i think it would have to be an amazingly good character to make me want to sit through one of those again yeah okay so should i do the trope that i hate the most yes and then i'll do my trope that i hate the most okay and uh this is going to be a bit interesting because right. you touched a bit on this okay 
So the one I hate the most is the one I call the one. so this is exactly what you said before so this is the farm boy who discovers that he is the one and the only person who can save the world or the young servant girl who discovers that she's actually the rightful heir of the throne and you know those sorts of things and my god I just feel like this trope has been beaten to death (laughs) I wish those kind of uh, prophecies or it was kind of meant to be I don't know I I just hate those kind of stories and I wish they wouldn't be written anymore. <laughs> well, I know something kind of funny. Yeah. That's my least favorite one too. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> the chosen one. I will I think Oh, I hate it. I do too. I mean the Shannara tales, um those you know, I, those came out a couple years ago, the remakes again of the the Elfstones of Shannara books. And yeah. it's just like there's no purpose. You have the right blood. You are the chosen one. You're going to get out there and do it. And there's no earning your place. It's just everyone's like bowing down to him. Oh, you were the chosen one. You were the golden child. And I'm just like, oh, gag me. I want to see them suffer and earn it and become become something greater because it is their journey, not because they were chosen to be this person. I definitely know it. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, uh, and now, now again, I, you know, I'm good at offending people here. So <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why stop now when I already started? Oh, but I know a, a lot gift. of people love, yeah. I, lo- <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people love the wheel of time oh, by yes. Robert Jordan. Uh, I don't like it. And, uh, I guess as well, I, it would not be fair to say that Rand L. Tor, the main character in that, that he's just the one and, and because he's just the one, I mean, he has to work for it. So it's not entirely fair. But on the other hand, it is still, at least in my view, and this is only my view and people can shout at me and disagree, that's okay. <laughs> but it, it just in my view, it is still, the, it's one of those, the one stories because Rand is the one who's supposed to defeat evil and and all that and it's just like it, it feels too ordained what should you call it? yeah or, or more like artificial yeah. story construction kind of thing rather than it just being here's your average joe and he you know builds over time and one day he then turns out to be able to defeat evil if that's what you want to do but right. instead of it just being well, it was also always written in the stars that you were going to defeat the evil overlord or whatnot. It's like, what? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And I actually poke fun at this trope in my first fantasy trilogy where there is one who's like, oh, there's a prophecy of this air elemental and he will go on to do something and it's you. And, and no, it's not. It's not him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was basically, they're like, they're reinterpreting it. There's like a few just minor, it's a very minor subplot, but every once in a while someone mentions it and even and the main character is like, oh my god, if you mention this one more time, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> you all don't even know what you're talking about. I'm just going to go over here and take care of business, okay? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> That's good. I, yeah, I just, I got to poke fun at these things occasionally. It's just in my nature. <laughs> so, right. But it, yes, so we have, I guess it's a unanimous vote that the chosen one is, it was a very common theme. I think when we both were growing up reading fantasy, the seventies and eighties, it was just like, that is your main hero. They were chosen. They're going to go do this and they're going to win. And that's, you just followed along. And the stories of this decade is so much more nuanced. Good is not a hundred percent good. They're kind of gray and evil. The best evil characters have, they're kind of animals or something. They're, 
you know, there's something else about them. And those are the stories that really stick and grow and everyone's got to earn their downfall or their nobility. And that is a much more interesting. And I guess maybe I'm saying that's what my favorite trope is now is simply the one that maybe flips a lot of the old tropes on their heads, even settings. I like, I like something unique. I like unique races. I heck my first story was, I stayed away from the whole medieval setting and did sailing instead of horseback riding because I wanted something different. So right. I love it when someone comes up with a, with a story that flips something on its head and gives me something new. I mean, when Shrek came out, oh, I was just in love with the movie because I was laughing my <laughs> ass off at all, it was so good. <laughs> all, of the, all the funny things that it flipped on its head and made it all new and fresh again. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, that's a good point. You know, if if anybody has not watched Shrek yet, then if you want to get a feeling of fantasy tropes, watch that movie, and they they basically exploit all of them. So you'll have all of them in that one movie. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You'll have a very good taste, and you'll see that even though you can have them all listed, you can do something completely different with them, and it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I think... The one that I like the most, it sort of plays off the one I hate the most. That that, that sounded weird, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So how does this work together then? Well, it's like the one I hate the most is the one who saves the world, right? Uh, Yeah. But at the same time, the ones that the trope that I like the most is the one where the world is in the balance. I Uh I like stories where the stake is the entire world. Yeah. But I guess that's why I write epic fantasy. Right? <laughs> yes, that's a good reason. <laughs> I think so. I, but the thing is, I just don't want it to be the chosen one who does all the saving there. Mm. Instead, it's I actually like when stories about saving the world comes as such a great cost that you can almost, once you sort of read the last chapter, you can almost start wondering... Was it really worth it? Ooh. You know, was the price really worth paying for what was saved? Hopefully you will say yes for saving the world. <laughs> but, you know, just that there is something in the back of your mind saying that was almost too great of a price to pay. Right. You know? Oh, that's, that, that's deep. I like that. That's a very good one. And I must say that that definitely is impactful and would make people think. So that's fantastic. I could get behind that, which is good because we'll be writing books together very soon. So (laughs) yes, yes, (laughs) I do like that, but it's definitely, I definitely think that, yeah, pulling the other one, the chosen one on its head. um, Like I said, even with the stories I've been writing, there's three or four or five potential people to save the world. And oddly enough, the cost of what it's going to take. And I won't even say that the world is saved. It's altered forever. When I get to the third book, even though I'm only writing the end of the first one. So I guess mm. I kind of agree with you because the way the story goes, it's a painful, painful cost. And the yeah. world isn't really saved. It's just not completely destroyed. Right, <laughs> so right. Yeah. But that's good. That is. So I, I guess I have to, in, again, as usual, even though we did not plan this, folks, I swear, dear listeners, uh, we do not conspire. We just happen to get along, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing. It means the business is in very solid hands. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, well, we always tend to agree on things, even though we haven't coordinated any of our yes. responses. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Well, that's very good. I guess that's a, a good way of saying, you know, these tropes to wrap up, they're important and they're underlying a lot of stories. And again, it's not necessarily, you should look around and see which ones people are complaining about. And if you're bold and brave, maybe you can do something to remake something that everyone else has seen way too many times. If you can make the chosen one into something new, fresh and exciting, oh, that would be really kind of interesting. Yeah, and I, I think exactly that's also my conclusion on this, because I do honestly believe that any trope can be done well, even the one I hate. <laughs> but at the same time, any trope can also be done poorly, even the one I like. Yeah. So it is a matter of how the trope is utilized in your storytelling and in your world building. And of course, that's a million times easier said than done. But that's why we are doing the podcast and you're doing the writing. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> okay, so next Monday... It's If all goes well, I should have a very accomplished author on for an interview for you, but I'll keep it as a surprise for now. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.